0: everybody this is greg with the abstract podcast and uh title of our podcast today is vitamins and painkillers so super pumped to talk about this um and so podcast sponsored by abstract real time sales coaching software and with us today we have keenan a sales guy and author of gap selling and not taught keenan please say hi hi maybe introduce yourself a little bit
1: you just introduced me Maybe we give I, a little
0: bit more color, a little bit, a little bit more of an introduction. I'm like the hype guy to to be, to begin the introduction. Yeah, I don't
1: hype myself. I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter anyways. We just get to the meat. Like they don't. If they know me, they know me. If they don't know me, they won't know me until it's over. And they're like, I know that guy now.
0: Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, let's get into it. So, um, want to give our listeners a little bit of background um, as to kind of some foundational elements as to why, you know, you are somebody that we should pay attention to um, why people should be thinking about gap selling. So well, I'm ready uh, talk- to
1: this too. I want to know why I need to be someone to pay attention to. I'm ready. I'm listening. <laughs>
0: so talk to me a little bit, how you got into sales, um, kind of what point in your career did you, did you realize that sales was something you wanted to pursue?
1: Uh, I don't know that it, it well, okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I've been a natural salesperson my whole life, so that was just natural. I mean in my definition of sales is somebody who has the ability skill ability of skill to influence a decision or to help somebody make a decision, right? So to me, that's a, a salesperson. I've been like that my whole life. Um, but my first job I, I took as a buddy basically said, "Look, you're 27 years old and you're a bum and you're not doing anything. So we get a job and I got one for you and it was in sales. He's like, "You can sell, so go sell." So um, that was my first real sales job, if you will. Uh, okay. and then I was good at it; I was really good at it. So after one year, I was the top rep. And so then I was like, "Well, I should make more money." So I took another sales job that made more money. And I, after three years at that job, I was one of the top reps and up for a position as a, um, a branch manager. And then another client said, "Hey, we'll pay you a lot of money." And so I was like, All right, I'll go do this and give you a big team." And so within three and a half, four years, I went from. Not doing anything to managing 150 people, 125, 150 people nationwide. You know, directors manages 300 million in revenue and 150 people. I guess about 150 people.
0: Dang, that's awesome! What was that first product you were selling?
1: Chamber memberships, baby! Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce memberships.
0: Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I didn't even know there was salespeople for things like that. Mm-hmm. The, okay interesting okay that's awesome so you've gone through individual contributor all the way up to managing a pretty large team so definitely an authority right uh someone that uh, we could all learn from so um throughout that process um obviously people are coming to you you know how you're doing this like what's your secret skill and ultimately kind of result in you authoring some pretty well-known books at what point did you decide that you wanted to uh, start to put some of these kind of best practices and kind of tricks of the trade into a into a book for everyone to uh to consume
1: uh like like my career man like every time i try to plan something out it really works but if i if i'm a counterpuncher and, and i react to an environment it works so i didn't set out to write a book i didn't set out to start uh my company i like i just started writing a blog in 2009 because my career went so fast and I was so young, I had a hard time getting jobs on my resume alone. Like, like LinkedIn really wasn't a thing yet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it kind of was, but not really. So, it was hard for me to stay to keep a position because they'd look at my thing and like, you only got six, seven, eight years experience. I think by that time it was nine or something. And uh, but I was only you know early 30s and and people are like you know, like I guess I was only 40s. But anyways, it started. It was just hard because I didn't have so much. I was competing with people with same size responsibility when they're late forties, fifties, early sixties. Right. And yeah. had 25 years experience. And so people would just ignore my resume. So I was like, fuck it. I'll, um, I'll stop blogging and I'll describe what it's like to run sales teams. I'll talk about my challenges. I'll, I'll share my processes. I'll share my approaches. And I wrote every single day for two years and my blog blew up. And so then people started knowing who I was and then they started asking me if I'd, um, you know, Oh, I read your blog post. Do you do consulting or can you help my team or can you do this? And so then I finally moved in that direction, took on a client and then got laid off because the company got bought by someone overseas and they let off most of the American team go. So I said, All right, I have a choice. I can try to spend six months finding another senior level executive job or I can see if I can do some with this consulting piece. And so, you know, 10 years later, I'm still doing it. So that was the smarter move. So I didn't remember your question, but basically things just happen by themselves. Like I focus uh- on them. And I realized, Oh, the book, the book. So same thing, kind of like people have been asking me for years. So six, seven years into the consulting, you're going to write a book, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, I'm not going to write a book that looks like everybody else's book. Uh I'm just going to not write another book of the same bullshit, hashed out stuff. And then um, I had a client said to me, Hey, Keenan, I want you to come in and put some rough training together and train my team. Like, I don't have a training. He goes, make something up. He goes, but I, I want you to help the team sell. So I, I just, through a, the store, but I spent some time and I built a, a PowerPoint deck that went right. through a bunch of stuff. And, I, and me and this client get along really well. We ended up connecting. So at the end of the day, he, me and one of his guys went out on his boat in Austin and we're swimming around and he goes, dude, what you had today was amazing. There's something there. Like you're, you're on to something. So then I was like, All right, maybe I, so I just worked it more and worked it more and put it together and then wrote it, you know, Then so this could be a good book and the next thing is history.
0: That's awesome. All right. Well, kind of letting your passion Kind of drive, uh, kind of next steps, and um, you know, the end result, right? And typically, we see that in successful people, as their their passion kind of leads them to to sharing their passion with the world, and kind of bundling all that up in some form of some form of consumable content. Well, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, let's get into uh, meat and potatoes. Why we want to chat today? So um, I was first introduced to gap selling when I was an SDR about seven or eight years ago, and because
1: um, I, I didn't write it eight years ago, had to be someone else's stuff.
0: Couldn't so the concept, concept ah, of gap selling, okay, concept yeah. of gap selling. Um, and uh, the metaphor that was given to me was the difference between like vitamins versus painkillers. Um, and so I want to kind of hone in on that just for a second. We'll expand on that a little bit later. But um, why do you think humans prefer to take painkillers instead of vitamins?
1: Well, the the psychology already proves that we, we much rather run away from pain than run towards um, pleasure so it i mean it's just psychological
0: so but equate that to a buying process or a selling process um you know i'm a i'm an SDR i'm cold prospecting into somebody and maybe my prospect doesn't even know they have pain like they they've dealt with their back pain their whole life they sit all day they've kind of just gotten used to it right like why are they okay continuing to take painkillers as opposed to getting up and stretching and maybe doing some exercise. Like what is it about us that that
1: that, that leads sure. it to I'm that? Not, I'm not sure. I like that method that that um, that metaphor because when you bring it to that taking taking pain pills versus a vitamin, the implications there—they're still trying to solve it, and they're just trying to solve it in different ways. That's why for me the metaphor falls apart. I mean, I it's I like right. it quaint and cute, but both both imply they're being addressed. When we're selling something to somebody, what we're saying is what you're doing now can't keep going. Whether you're taking painkillers every day, whether you're taking vitamins every day, whether you're doing nothing every day, the point with a sale is you have to change. Whatever you're doing now has to stop. Like that's the sale. And whether we as a salesperson recognize that, whether we as a salesperson dig that out or the buyer determines it themselves, that's what change is about is getting someone to stop doing one thing and start doing something else, right? Got it. Okay. And so, um, I think what, when it comes to sales, the idea is a lot of people may not realize they have a problem and, and, and that can happen because you don't know what you don't know. I mean, I talk in the book about my Palm pilot, you know, I had what I thought was an immediate problem. I forgot my charger. This is before phones, but I had me, I was away in a conference. I had meetings all day long and I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I I didn't, couldn't call anybody because all the shit was in my Palm pilot. So I had to run down and get a charger. No longer the show, it is the guy keeps bugging me about can I get you anything else trying to upsell me? And I'm like, no, leave me alone. He's like, what about a case? I'm like, can't you see? I got a case here, man. Can you just ring me up so I can get the hell out of here? And he's and he finally says, Well, can I ask you one question? I'm like, all right, sure what? And he's like, Um, when you put your pump out in your pocket or in your briefcase, does the case of the pump out get depressed and hold down the buttons until the battery drains? I'm like, yeah, man, that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. He goes, Hold on a second. And he comes back and he he opens he opens up this this uh, case and it's the same color, same brand, everything. But then he takes it out of the package and opens it up, and inside there are these five cutouts where when you close the case on your palm, it can't depress the buttons anymore. And so I bought the case. So my point is to your point is I didn't look. I thought my problem was I was out of battery for the moment. But my real problem was I was continually prematurely draining the battery. And that was going to happen again if I wasn't careful. It was going to happen again if I wasn't careful. So the real problem was I was the battery being artificially drained and causing me to miss meetings, be late, et cetera. So I spent the money and I was thrilled. So in my opinion, that's the essence of, of selling is trying to understand what the real problem is.
0: Got it. Okay. And then that ultimately, the, the way that that pain was uncovered is because he asked you a, a relevant question, a timely question that helped you maybe uncover that pain that you didn't even realize you had,
1: right? Yes. And I I have got to go on the record here. I I cannot stand the term pain. I cannot stand it. Got to go. And look, I get it like anything else. Like, like the reason we can drive our cars is because somebody learned how a combustible engine worked, but because someone before that learned about fire, you know what I'm saying? So things build on each other. So I get it a long time ago, pain made sense, but you got to go deeper than that because here's the deal. One of the things I recognized with um, with Gap Selling, and I talk about very clearly, that salespeople have a horrific time getting their arms around, is there's two types of problems, okay? There's the business problem, and then there's the technical problem or slash the root cause. Most people try to sell to the root cause because the root cause can be perceived as having pain, Right. The problem can be perceived as having pain, but they don't necessarily result in pain. It can be perceived that way, but a lot of times it could be simply uh, um, uh, um, a symptom, right? If he tried selling to my pain, he would have sold me the charger and away I went. The The immediate pain I was feeling is, hey, I can't get to these meetings, right? What he uncovered was the root cause, Right. So now he has a different. Now he understands my root cause, which then highlighted that my problem wasn't actually um, that I was missing those meetings because of the charger. I was missing those meetings because um, um, my my case was draining the battery. So he solved it correctly. So what happens is when you think about pain versus problem, pain goes away. It's too encompassing too umbrella can take you down the wrong road. Instead, you need to look at his problem and then you need to look at two problems. What's my business problem? What's my technical problem? My technical problem is what most people focus on because it's what their product fixes. Now watch what I do. The technical problem is a problem with a tool or a process. Salespeople have to understand this. I don't know why they struggle, why they can't get out of their own way, but it's about as crystal clear as possible. It's a tool or a process is my technical problem. My technical problems therefore are my root causes. Now, what is my business problem? My business problem is what comes from the root cause because my Palm pilot drained the battery. And because I didn't have a, a, a charger, my business problem is the fact that I'm going to miss these meetings. That's my business problem. Now that's still not big enough per se to, because it, it, The next piece is, well, what, how important are these business meetings? What's attached to them? If it's not a big deal, the business meeting, then the problem's not that big. And that's the impact, which is the next layer. So what's the impact? Well, I am, these are all customers. I'm the VP of sales. My sales team wants me to help close these. I got to meet one of my major partners. So millions of dollars could be at stake. That's the impact. Got it. Right? So when people run around trying to find pain, they're just shortcutting it and they and they miss everything. When you break it down by impact, root cause, problem, impact, and root cause, I'm sorry, impact, problem, root cause, now you've got the whole goddamn picture. Now I mean, you got everything. Yep.
0: So pain, so I feel like though, like everywhere you go, like sales leaders are find the pain, find the pain, find the pain, find the pain. Like where is an industry or where is a profession? Did like this thing become kind of like, our, our North star that we have to do? Like, why are so many companies missing the mark?
1: Old school selling. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, old school sales training. I believe Sandler talks about a lot about finding the pain. I believe value selling may talk about it. I got to be careful without know which, but it was, a, it was a central tenant in most trainings in the eighties, ni- nineties, and early 2000s. Matter of fact, let me be real. It's the tenant in about 99% of most training.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, every sales training I've ever been in has talked about um, find the pain, find the pain, ask discovery questions to find the pain. And so I think it's It's just
1: simplistic, way too simplistic. Mm -hmm. So let's,
0: let's dive into that for a second, because is it, is it laziness on the sales managers part? Because they're trying to find a rinse and repeat type of methodology to train their sales team? Because, you know, understanding the difference between tool process impact technical problem versus business problem like that's not easy to do and and how do you train 10 new sales reps on that every month in your new onboarding
1: class well yeah if if okay so i'm gonna let sales managers off the hook on this one because normally i don't but out of fair excuse me um out of fairness um up until now they didn't know any better like the the closest thing that i i would say that that comes anywhere close to gap selling is spin selling. That's the closest it comes, right? I think it's called situation problem implication and need, I think is what it is, if I remember right, correctly.
0: That's right. Yep.
1: Right. So I am a fan of you know I was a fan of spin for a while. And I still am. Like I, I think if you're gonna default to an old school spin's not bad. Spin just lacks too much context for me because it doesn't, it doesn't compare and contrast future desired, future state. Um, it talks to need, which is a solution. It doesn't force you to figure out where they want to go, Um, but it's close. Like I like that one. So, but outside of that, all the other ones just teach you pain. So it's what you're taught and it makes logical sense, right? If I can find a pain, you're going to move. And in the absence of finding pain, okay, you're a really shitty salesperson. So I don't think it's being lazy. I think it's, it makes sense. It helps like in the absence of finding pain, you're really shitty. So I might as well go find the pain. I can logically describe what that means, how to do that. And then in the absence of gap selling or anybody that's actually taught you the next layers, it's sort of like asking someone back in the day why they couldn't make their car go faster than, you know, 55 miles an hour. Well, they didn't know what they didn't know, right? So, you know, as as gap selling's out longer and we have more and more success with organizations and I just got off with a client who started gap selling 18 months ago and he called me, he goes, we are killing it. He goes, gap selling is a game changer for us, right? So as more and more people do this and they embrace it, I, I think we'll change the, the vernacular. But yeah, I, that's why I jump all over pain. It, it's a shortcut. It's, it's too encompassing. A salesperson can jump on the wrong thing. And it's a mess. It's a shit show. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to try to uh, not use the word pain for the rest of our time together uh, because we, uh, we don't like the word pain. So we'll try to uh, remove that from my vocabulary problem, moving forward. Problem,
1: problem, problem. problem.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: And yeah, all right, so- one last thing to, to, to do this too, right? One last thing to add to this, right? So the other thing that's really great about gap selling is the gap is the space between the current state where they are today, right? And then the future state where they want to be tomorrow. When you properly gap sell, you're actually creating a tension that very few sales trainings, if at all, actually do. You're, you're providing the buyer with both the pleasure and the pain psychological elements, I spend my time digging into your current state, finding the problem, the impact and the root causes. I get it all. Then I quietly move you over to where do you want to go? What do you need to get done? What isn't being accomplished? What are you trying to achieve, et cetera? And then I met, I, I get all of them. I go, wow, you're currently here, but you want to be here. That's $3 million. You're currently here, you want to be here. You, you got to stop losing to the competition. You're currently here with um, a 20% attrition rate. You want to come in here and you only want to get that to five. Wow, then I do all the math. And I dump that middle into you and say, so this is what the change is worth to you. They're like, absolutely. So now they can feel the pain, right, of all of that shit. And they're right next to it and get up But here's all the great places you could go. So it, it dep- I, I got you both times. I got you either running to it or away from it, but I got you.
0: Okay, so let's dive into that a little bit. So essentially, you're trying to build a logical case yes. for why they need to change, right? And so selling is ultimately making somebody willing to change, whether it's uh, away from pain or towards pleasure. Um, humans don't necessarily buy on logic, right? They use logic to justify emotion. Yep. Um, so how in that scenario where you have that space between current state and end state, and you're creating that, um, that tension, I think is the word you used, Where does emotion fit into that process and tapping into their emotional state?
1: I don't have to tap into it. I simply just have to take what you said, where you are and where you want to be. And the emotion is created automatically, automatically, automatically. Right. So I'll give you a dumb example, right? This is the power. And by the way, the gap can be small. The gap can be big. Right. And people understand the smaller the gap, the more transactional the sale or the, or the less somebody's willing to pay to change. So if it's a really small gap, they may change, but you better, it better be a low barrier to entry, not cost very much, not take much time. Do you see what I'm saying? But if yep. it's a massive gap, they're going to spend, they'll take, they'll change all their processes. They'll spend tons of money. They'll take time. Like, so you just got to understand the size of the gap, for what you're asking. But to your point, just for the simple piece of emotion, I bet I can get everybody with this. Okay. You're a single, you're a single guy or girl. I'm going to say uh, 31, um, you haven't been on a date in a while. You haven't had a serious relationship in two years. You start to think, you know, I'm getting a little older. I, I'm, I'd like to settle down, and I'm going to show my age here. But um, and you, oddly enough, in the craziest way, um, had a friend call you up and say, you know, you know, I'm good friends with so for the dudes, Kate Upton, and for the girls, you know, I'm friends with. Oh shit, I don't know who girls think. Of. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper, thank you. Yes, okay, for the girls, Bradley Cooper. You got a date, but you got to meet him in 20 minutes. Okay. You feel like you look okay, but you just had a freaking um, current state. You just had a a Caesar salad with garlic. You got to get gum, right? You got to get some gum or some mouthwash or something, right? I'll
0: probably pay like $10 for that stick of gum.
1: You'll pay $10 and you may spend the entire 20 minutes trying to find a, a, a store, right? Yeah in order to make that happen. So what I've just done is I painted the desired future state, a chance to have lunch with Kate Upton or Bradley Cooper, which could potentially lead to a date. Your current state is you just had fucking garlic. Your, your breath tastes like um, smells like shit. You know, your breath, uh, your mouth tastes like shit, et cetera. I don't need to paint any emotion. I know every single person right now had emotional response to that and knows what they would do and knows how they would feel. I'm done. Uh,
0: so it's so funny you say that. Cause um, I was, uh, I met my wife and we were planning on a date on Wednesday for our first date. And she texted me, Hey, I'm actually free on Tuesday. And I'm like, like, can you meet in like half an hour for dinner? And I was like, shit, like it's 45 minutes for me to go home. Um, I'm not going to be able to go home, brush my teeth in time. I'm not going to do anything. And, um, so I ended up going like and paying like some stupid amount of money for like a travel size toothbrush Travel size Listerine, travel size like uh, toothpaste, just so I could brush my teeth before uh, you know my date with her. And so I, I get that. So, but here's the thing. Okay, my argument, Keenan, would be that's personal, right? Um, if it's a business problem, is that different for somebody than a personal problem? And is it as easy to tap into that emotional connection we again, need to make?
1: Let me do it again. Everything's personal, dog. The few times it's not personal are the people who, is, who are trying to avoid ownership and they're one in a million. Okay. Unfortunately, maybe one in a thousand and I don't deal with them. So fuck them. I don't deal with them. So right. if, if I'm talking to you and you're the CFO and I'm selling expense management tools and I right. find out, right. And I find out that you have a hard time tracking. Uh, no, I know you have a hard time tracking authorizations and you are concerned that you could have unauthorized, um, expenses getting, getting through. And I ask you, well, uh, how big is, you know, what is your average monthly expense? And you're a really big company. So let's say your average monthly expenses run to two or $3 million a month. And I'm asking you, so um, based on your current process, it's manual and this and that, do you think it's realistic that you could be experiencing uh, unauthorized expenses to the tune of three, four, 5%? He goes, Oh, easily. So if I start doing 5% of $2 million times 12, and he's the CFO. If you don't think he's emotionally attached to the fact that he could be losing several hundred thousand or half a million dollars a year in unauthorized expenses, he's one of that thousand out of time to deal with them. So yes, that's emotional. He wants to fucking do well in his job. He wants to be the CEO. He wants to make his bonus. He wants to get a promoted to a bigger company. All of that is personal. And if he's failing in his job because he doesn't have the right tools and I happen to sell the right tool, that's personal.
0: All right. Fair enough. All right. Mic drop On to the next topic. All right. So uh, a couple more things I want to dive into and then we'll wrap this up. Um, so one of the, the biggest frustrations that I have as we're working with our customers here at Abstract mm-hmm. is that when they're building out like their frameworks and their discovery questions and ultimately trying to find um, that irritation because I'm not going to use the, the four letter P word problem. that we uh, ban, we problem. banned from this the problem. problem. Fair enough.
1: Because um, the problem there, creates pain. Right, dude,
0: the problem
1: yeah. creates the pain. So if I find the problem, I'm at the key point.
0: Perfect. So how do we change the narrative within an organization where they're more focused on not selling their products and using language that sells their products, but change them to cultures of let's identify the problem and let's use language that identifies the problem. Because I see that as like the biggest barrier, my biggest frustration when I talk with organizations is like, You guys are so focused on talking about you and your features and your benefits, getting that cultural shift to reframe how they go about having conversations with prospects seems to be the biggest challenge that I run into sometimes. Um, How do organizations make that change?
1: Create a pick. I talk about it in the book, the problem identification chart. And what what I force organizations to do, and it'll blow your mind how hard this is for people. You would think that people would understand the problems they solve, and they don't. And what you'll find is some companies have no clue what problems they solve. And all they can talk about is the value proposition. I'll literally say, so what problems do you solve? And they're like, oh, we help companies find, you know, state-of-the-art efficiencies across multiple platforms. Like, really? Did you really just fucking say that to me? Right? So they have no clue. So what I forced them to do is I forced them to write down. So the pick is consisted of three columns, the problem column, the impact column, the root cause column. Okay. And so what I say is, okay, give me one business problem okay those who can actually have some idea of the problems they solve 90 percent of the time they put root causes in there they give me technical problems they might say something give me a problem you solve um we help companies who who um whose systems are not working correctly i'm making that shit up right well a system is a tool or process so that's a root cause tell me the business problem okay we help companies who are inefficient in their expense management nope that's a technical problem process oh that's a root cause give me a business problem
0: i don't know crickets
1: Crickets. I don't know. So I force them to start figuring out the business problems. out. And with few exceptions, this will shock you. Very few companies, other than you know holding companies and you know like like P and G, who have you know a thousand brands. Okay, but most companies only solve about three, four, five problems max. Right now, they have a, a myriad of technical problems they can solve, which are the root causes. Those can almost be infinite. Right. But yep. the actual business problems are almost always on a hand, on a, on a single hand. Now, if you have multiple products in a business, okay, that could, well, shift to like the product can only solve two or three problems and the business could handle a lot more, but rarely does a business solve multiple business problems. So I make them list the business problems. Then I make them list all the impacts that those business problems could, maybe, might possibly have on an organization if the business problems existed. Then I write them down, okay, what are all the root causes that make that business problem come to play? And once you do that and you share it with the organization, now that's what your new focus. The salesperson, the BDR, they're not saying, hey, let me tell you about my cool new product. They're like, they have it right in front of them. And they start asking questions around the business problem, right? And the cool part is if they hear a client say something like, yeah, our, um, uh, I don't know why I'm using expense, but our, uh, our, our expense process is, is um, manual. If they've done a good job with the pick, that should instantly trigger a business problem. Wait, so because of manual processes, do you find it hard? Watch what I do here. Do you find it hard to um, to track improperly um, authorize expenses? And they say yes and say, so do you have high unauthorized expense or high expense fraud? That's a business problem. That's a business problem. People will pay to fix that. Do you see what yep. I'm saying? And like, that's a good point. Yes, we do. So now you gave me the root cause that led me to the connective tissue to ask about, right, about fraud. You say you have fraud, I've got you. Now I can say, talking about how much fraud, what's the impact been? How have you been able to get that money back? Have you ever had to sue anybody? Have you ever had to fire? Like all of a sudden I I own you. And that's what the pick does. And I haven't said one word, one word about my product. Now imagine, Greg, that I have a 20 minute conversation and dig all that out. And I don't even have to breathe one word about my product. Once we've dug it all out, how easy is you think I'm going to be on? If I don't win it, I'm going to be their top one or two choices. Like I'm, I'm in the driver's seat. Can you see that?
0: Totally. Yep. Yep. And then you spend five minutes in a demo. If you even need to demo them the product.
1: Yep. You got it.
0: Yep. All right. Well, wrapping this up, want to keep this uh, kind of bite sized length for our listeners. So I had a couple of really big takeaways, Keenan. That I um, mean, really good reminders for me actually. Um, we're not going to use the dirty four letter P word anymore. Now we're going to change this and that to problem. And we really need to break that up into like technical versus business. Um, when you get into technical, you have kind of tools, process. When you get into the business problem, you have impact. And so separating that out, um, I think, is something that uh, we could all have a, a good reminder for us to do. And um, I think kind of hearing you talk through the steps it takes and just a couple of quick questions and maybe um, perspective changes actually makes that a lot easier than I think maybe a lot of organizations actually think it is. Um, and how to do that, uh, create a pick. So your problem, your identification chart, um, problem impact root cause, right? And so being able to help every layer of the organization understand kind of like what the root cause is not just like the, the features, the benefits of the product, what's the root cause of the problem. Uh, ultimately, I think that what we solve.
1: So what are the problems we solve and what are the root causes of those that we solve?
0: Perfect. Thank you for clarification on that. So really good stuff, man. I, I encourage everybody to read Gap Selling if they haven't. Um, Keenan, for people that want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to learn more about yourself and uh, kind of what you guys do every day? Every day?
1: So, I mean, they can find me on LinkedIn under Keenan dot, just because they maybe put a dot in the field, or you can go to a sales guy.com and you can learn all about us. Um, we're in a complete rebranding effort. So if things start to change or they're working clunky, bear with us. We're literally dropping a new website in July.
0: Awesome. Um, we're well, a New
1: name and everything. Yes,
0: any users? It's
1: going to stay. We're keeping ASG. That's all I can tell you. But the okay. sales guy is gone. The name, we're no longer going to be a sales guy. Too many people got upset. People don't like to ask. See, people don't like to ask questions. They were, they literally, some ladies gave some of my female employees a hard time when they were selling, I cannot work for a company called a sales guy. There are women in this world and she's literally talking to a female employee, right? And they never asked how the name came about. So I just got tired of swimming upstream. So we're changing it.
0: All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Keenan was awesome. Really appreciate your wisdom, knowledge and uh, candid conversation today. Thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you, baby.